Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Tectonic. My name is Mark Hurst. I'll be your host for the next hour here on WFMU. Freeform, station of the nation. Freeform as in freedom, friends, in downtown Jersey City and that great state that you know so well. Freedom's on the mind this hour because tomorrow is Independence Day here in the United States, which means today is July 3rd, 2023. And uh, if you're here in the States, whatever you're doing to celebrate Independence Day, happy 4th. And if you're outside the States, this will still be a relevant episode, I promise. <laughs> but uh, freedom is a good segue, I thought, for the uh, topic this evening which is surveillance. We haven't done a surveillance roundup, and I looked at the archives at WFMU.org, and we have not had a surveillance roundup for about six months since, uh, since January of this year. And if you have just started listening recently, uh, this is a kind of show that I do every few months uh, called a surveillance roundup just to give listeners a little update of the news uh, that has come out uh, in in the in the weeks and weeks that I've been doing these interviews. Generally, I'll have one guest on the show, an author, or as I had last week, someone who's walking around the world. I mean, it could be anybody. And I have a single, long-form, focused conversation with that guest. And I generally don't have a lot of time after the interview to talk about what's happened in tech in the last week. And so I build up all of these articles and trends and <laughs> nightmares <laughs> that I want to share with you. And there's just, there's never a, a natural opportunity unless I set aside a show to go over those. So that's what this is, a surveillance roundup, the first one in several months. Usually I do it every three, four months. So there's a lot to get through. I'll see what I can get through. If you want to follow along, I've posted most of the articles I'd like to bring up. I've posted them on the playlist at WFMU.org. Click Playlists and Comments to get over to that page. And if you're listening in the future to an archive or podcast version of the show, you can go to the one-page Tectonic site at tectonic.fm. That's T-E-C-H tonic.fm, where there is no surveillance on the page watching you. No trackers, no dark patterns, nothing shady. It's, it's like... The original founding idea of the web, it's a page that you load up and you get some information. What a concept. What an amazing, radical idea. It still can happen. Anyway, the uh, playlist link, again, is going to be on the July 3rd, 2023 entry. And, um, and so let, let's get started, okay? There's the, the segue with freedom is that there... Now, I'm no legal expert, okay? I'm not a lawyer, but I understand from the little bit of reading I've done on this that there are two main categories of freedom. There are, there's, there's freedom to do something, and there's freedom from different things, okay? So there's freedom to and freedom from. And whether you're celebrating U.S. independence or you're somewhere else and you just want to celebrate freedom, <laughs> um, you can celebrate 
freedom to and freedom from. And what I want to focus on tonight is one of those in the category of freedom from. Because my proposal, friends, is that we, all of us, in the U.S. and everywhere else, this is not a, not a specifically American proposal. This is a human proposal everywhere. We should have freedom from unwarranted surveillance. Is that a radical concept for me to suggest? That we should have freedom, we should be able to go through our lives, our daily lives, without being spied on, without our knowledge or consent. Is that a, I want to know, is that a radical concept? That someone would even suggest that, that someone should be able to go through their day-to-day -day life without being spied on. Now, what, what, what is categorized as spying? That gets into some semantics, doesn't it? I mean, what if you go to a grocery store and they have a security camera to watch for shoplifters? I, I have a, there's a grocery store in my neighborhood. I live on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. There's a grocery store that I go to sometimes, and you can, you can see near the front, there's this dashboard that shows all of the cameras in the store, and you can see some people browsing. In, in this one, it's like it, it has a Hollywood Squares type thing of, of 12, I don't know how many, but 12 different squares within the one LED screen showing different views onto the store. There's the egg aisle, there's the cereal aisle, there's the, the meat or whatever, and you can see people browsing. And I guess the idea is the managers at the front of the store can watch that big dashboard and they can see if someone is uh, shoplifting, which honestly I think is, is fair. That's totally fair. They want to do that. And also they're showing you at the front of the store, uh, we're watching you. And so it's not without your knowledge. And since you have knowledge and you want to shop there anyway, it's with your implied consent and it's not overly intrusive. And as far as I know, this grocery store is not sharing those images with multi-trillion dollar corporations or shady government partners in order to process those images further for who knows what kind of, of uh, malicious ends or profit-making ends. Okay, so that I don't feel like is spying. Can you go into a grocery store and have cameras on you uh, that's just on closed loop, I think that's fair. I'm talking about a different kind of spying where everywhere you go, you're being watched by cameras that are being operated by, as I said, multi-trillion dollar corporations and their government partners. And they're not operating in the light of day. They're not telling you what they're doing. You're, they are not telling you how they are using your data. So they're operating without your knowledge and consent and they're operating in ever more intrusive ways. Okay, so that's the sort of thing that I have this radical proposal. We should have freedom from intrusive ambient surveillance being controlled by the most powerful actors in human history. Is that a radical suggestion? I'm saying this seriously. Because if you agree with me, then let's get something started, friends, to, to start acting up, speaking out for this freedom. Let me give you an example of, of where surveillance is starting to spread. There's this story in the New York Times just a few days ago on June 28. The headline was barred from grocery stores by facial recognition. This again is um, linked from the playlist that I mentioned earlier. If you want to follow along and there's a, I listed on the playlist an excerpt that you might find interested. interesting. So in this New York Times story, they're talking about 
in London, there are grocery stores. And yes, I know, I know London has more surveillance cameras per square meter than any other place on Earth outside of Xinjiang. I don't, I don't know if that's exactly true, but I, believe me, I understand London already has a lot of surveillance cameras. But the, my point is that this is a great example of surveillance creep, where surveillance is, is growing into in our day-to-day -day lives that it wasn't just a, a few years ago. Okay, so barred from grocery stores by facial rec. It says British merchants are increasingly using the technology, that is facial recognition, to combat shoplifting, raising questions about its spread as artificial intelligence rapidly improves it. I'd put improves in quotes there, of course. But the idea here is that when you walk into a grocery store, one of these grocery stores that has this facial rec system uh, in London, it, it gets your an image of your face and then compares that to a database of faces and identities that it has access to over the internet. I'm not exactly sure who's serving it up, but I, am, I would be willing to bet that American big tech companies are playing a role in that pipeline somewhere. And when the grocery store identifies who you are, then if you have some, uh, some, some bad marks against your name from past behavior, then they escort you out of the store. Now, some listeners who've been listening for at least a few months will know this is very similar to what happened uh, at Radio City Music Hall just a few months ago. There's this Christmas spectacular thing that they run uh, with the Rockettes, this big show that they run every December, November, December, I don't know, in, in New York City. And there was a lawyer who took her daughter and, and her daughter's Girl Scout troop into... Uh, Radio City Music Hall, and the Girl Scouts and other adults were allowed to stay, but this lawyer was escorted out by a couple of beefy guys who said, you've got to leave. <laughs> and what it, what it turned out to be is that there's a facial recognition system also there, and the owner of Madison Square Garden, who also owns Radio City, had put a ban on any lawyers from, from a particular law firm from entering any of his venues. And people, I did a, I did a, a piece of a show on this earlier. And so we, we've seen this in a couple of high profile moments here in the States, but th th what's different here in London is that it's just your down the street grocery store. The facial rec systems, in other, in other words, are they're falling in cost to the point where someone can just I don't know what they pay, but it's, it's enough that a neighborhood grocery store can easily afford it. They install it. And then if for any reason your name comes up with a, with a bad mark associated, then the managers come and escort you out of the store, which is, in fact, what happened to a woman. The New York Times story says in October, a woman buying milk in a supermarket in Bristol. OK, so this wasn't London. It was in Bristol, was confronted by an employee and ordered to leave. She was told that Face Watch, don't you just love, don't you love that product name, Face Watch? It, <laughs> just as a side note, can you, can you think of any company that has, has had a net good on society whose name starts with the word face? I'm, I, I'm, I'm coming up zero for two so far. Maybe you have some exceptions. But anyway, Face Watch had flagged this woman as a barred shoplifter. 
And apparently th- there was this f- fight over maybe she was misidentified, but no, they dug in further and found that she had been identified a few weeks earlier over some incident. It wasn't clear what it was, but it was on the order of uh, 10 bucks or 10 pounds of something. Something happened, and they weren't even sure what it was. And so they said, well, th- well, Facewatch, the store or, or the company was saying, see, Facewatch worked perfectly. It worked perfectly. We, we identified her because there was an earlier incident. The woman says, I don't remember any, any incident from several weeks ago. And you, you can't blame her for saying that because when, this, is, this is key, friends. I'm going to tell you something that's really key about this system. When you are identified as a bad actor, you are not informed of that. So the surveillance is doing things behind the scenes with, with, uh, with no transparency to you. It's not like someone comes up to you, oh, I'm very sorry, but uh, we, you, have, you have three demerits because of something you did in here. And, uh, and if you'd like to appeal that decision, then you can talk to the manager right there. I'm very sorry for the... No, it's just something weeks earlier had flagged this woman in the system as a bad actor. And when she comes back to buy milk, She's escorted out of the store, totally confused, humiliated, I'm sure angry, everything else. So what this means is that the price of these systems is falling enough so that neighborhood grocery stores can put in a system that does unwarranted intrusive surveillance that connects into some network system that can identify people and associate them with what are claimed to be problems claim to be shoplifting or for any other problem that is not then communicated to the person in question. They are not informed about the, the, the charge against them. Only when they come back and they are escorted out of the store do they find out that something was wrong. And even then, there is no way for the person to appeal the decision. I mean, I think there, there is, in the case of this woman, the New York Times is covering the story. And so you can, you can be assured that FaceWatch, well, customers are our are, are number one priority. And so, yes, if, if we made a mistake, of course, we're going to get right on it, New York Times. But try that if the Times is not doing a story. Try calling up FaceWatch, again, a company whose name starts with face. Try calling any company whose name starts with face and get a, get a reasonable, helpful, get any human. Get an unreasonable human on the phone if you can. It does, it's not going to work. So these systems are affecting people's ability to engage in their day-to-day lives without any transparency or appeal when the company makes a mistake. Or even if the system is operating as design, doing its intrusive surveillance, maybe there was a clerk at the, on the dashboard at the store that, that types in the, the, uh, the problem wrong or types it into the wrong person. Have you ever heard of data entry errors? They happen all the time. And to have people's day-to-day lives affected like this without any opportunity for appeal is totally wrong. And that's why we need freedom from intrusive surveillance. Now, I want to, I want to, counterpoint this with some good news. There is actually one bit of legitimately good news around facial recognition, and it just happened. So Rolling Stone on June 22nd 
ran this story about uh, artists boycotting venues that use face scanning technology. The idea here was that there were, and I think I covered this a year or two ago, Amazon, our very good friends at Amazon who are, and I'm, I'm being sarcastic there for new listeners, um, are not very good friends at Amazon, are all in on surveillance, okay? Uh, they, they I, I'm not going to get started on an Amazon rant. Uh, that's, another sh- that's another show. But let me just say that Amazon, this trillion-dollar company, uh, wants, it's investing everywhere in, adva- in, in surveillance, and it wants to install these palm readers. You've heard of getting your palm read? Well, Amazon is taking it to a new level, intrusive, unwarranted surveillance with no ability to appeal. And so it's, they want to put in palm scanners and facial scanners in venues so that uh, when you enter a, a, a concert venue, like originally the plan was Red Rocks in, in Colorado, when everyone comes in to uh, watch the show, it just like just like uh, Radio City Music Hall, what, what I told you about before, the facial scanning system is identifying each concert goer, boom, 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 as they come in. And if there's someone who just has a, has a naughty mark on their record, then they're escorted out. Well, thank goodness there was some pushback against this plan because the art, it's one thing to do in uh, a grocery store. It's another thing to do that at venues that have some of the top artists performing who understand... The artists, musical artists, understand, many of them understand the predations of the big tech economy because, and I've done shows on this as well, they understand that these technological systems are not, they're not good for artists, and in the end, they're not good for audiences as well. They're not good for anybody except eight dudes on the West Coast who can buy three more private jets with their winnings. Good for them, but not good for all the rest of us. So over 100 artists, Rolling Stone reports, over 100 artists uh, signed a pledge to boycott venues that use facial recognition. They just said, okay, put in the facial rec. We don't care, but we're not playing there. So if you want Rage Against the Machine, if you want Weedus, Jill Sobule, Anti-Flag, Speedy Ortiz, Deerhoof, Boots Riley, and a bunch of others, they signed a pledge that was at Amazon Doesn't Rock. Dot com get it Amazon wanted to put in surveillance at Red Rocks so they uh, I think fight for the future put up a a uh, a pledge at Amazon doesn't rock.com and it got enough signatures and now reports a victory quote after facing enormous pressure from artists from human rights groups and fans iconic music venue Red Rocks Amphitheater has ditched Amazon palm scanning as a ticketless entry option. So this pushback, this speaking out and acting up on the part of artists and human rights groups and fans, all of us together, standing up to Amazon, notched one victory once, okay? All that means is that Amazon says, okay, that one concert venue, we're not going to install palm scanning yet. That's what the, all of that effort went to to get the one trillion dollar company to say, okay, we're going to delay this rollout. Uh, as far as I know, they didn't say, oh my goodness, unwarranted, intrusive, creepy, unappealable surveillance. Oh, how can we do that and sleep at night? We're never doing that. We're changing our ways. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. Amazon didn't say that. They said, oh, 
okay, enough people. We got some bad press. We got enough artists who are standing up to us. Some fans are unhappy. Human rights groups are causing some trouble. Okay, we're not going to do it just yet. Everybody go away. And so the good guys notch up a victory. And then that just means we have to stay vigilant because Amazon and its biometric scanners are going to come back to Red Rocks. And I'm sure as they step away temporarily from Red Rocks, they are uh, approaching every other concert venue in the U.S. and saying, okay, well, don't look at Red Rocks. Look at the money that we've got for you. We're Amazon. What are you going to do? So anyway, it's, it's, a, it's small, but it is a genuine piece of good news. And it shows you what can happen if people stand up together and say, we are not going to do business with companies that engage in unwarranted surveillance. That's another way of saying, what, friends? We want freedom from surveillance. We want freedom from surveillance. So Amazon can take a hike. We are not doing business with you. Good on those artists, those 100 artists, for, for standing up. Um, let's talk more about other kinds of surveillance. I was going to say, let's talk more about bad news. But I, you know, I'm not trying to just give you a litany of nightmares. I'm really not. I'm trying, I'm trying to give you a roundup of what has been crossing my desk over the last six months that I haven't had a chance to, to talk to you about. And I'm sorry to say that technology, as it has developed over the past six months, has not been on a good trajectory. And so don't get mad at the messenger, friends. I'm just trying to tell you the truth about what's actually happening that you may not have heard because, you know, there's a little bit of coverage here, a little bit of coverage there, this source, that source, but it's just not the most profitable coverage for the tech media to spend its time on. You know, what's more profitable is to talk about Apple's latest blah, 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 because they had a, a, a day full of, of self-promotion and advertising. And why don't we give everybody a review of the new shiny Guga? Because, wow, you know, that makes us look future forward. And, um, you know, maybe the uh, advertising dollars will, you know, <clears throat> something. No. I'm not interested in that. I'm trying to tell you the truth about what's actually happening in tech and how it affects all of us, you included. And it happens to be mostly bad news. So I'm sorry, but that's what it is. Okay, so here's the next thing. Voice surveillance. Do you remember hearing from Professor Joe Turo from the Annenberg School at UPenn? He was on, uh, he's been on twice talking about surveillance. Um, he wrote a book called The Voice Catchers a year or two ago talking about how companies everywhere are trying to get um, your voice print because any kind of biometric data on you is valuable to them. So when you call your bank, let's say, and they say, um, for customer service purposes, this call may be recorded. Or I guess they say it in the, in, in the opposite uh, order. For This call may be recorded for customer service purposes. That, that's what it is. And of course, what that actually means is that they are going to record everything that you say and they can then use your voice biometric data for anything that they want. And sure enough, after a few years of this, your, your, this call may be recorded, this call may be recorded. And now with more AI tools, now they're coming out and they're saying, great news, you can use your voice to log in. 
Have you heard something like that? You can call your bank and just say, my voice is my password. And we'll know it's you because magically we have your voice print already in our systems and we know it's you. And so the voice surveillance becomes a way for them to log you in uh, without having to use human agents to actually verify that you are you. Uh, so it's another way for them to cut labor costs, basically, to automate everything that they can. So with this idea, voice surveillance is profitable for companies, and it's on the, it's on the move. When you have giant companies, whether they're banks, hospitals, uh, telecom companies, and everything is being powered and pushed, pushed by the big tech companies that want more growth, more growth. Everyone adopt everything that we're doing. Everyone, all these companies need to surveil everybody with everything. Use our tools for all of it. That's why you're seeing surveillance pop up, pop up everywhere. And uh, be because surveillance is popping up everywhere, all the companies are being pushed to use it. They, they think that they're going to save on labor costs. That opens up all kinds of new problems. And one of them is that, as anybody could have told you before the bank uh, launched this, when you use voice surveillance-based voice prints to log somebody in, that opens up possibilities for new kinds of scams. And that's, in fact, exactly what's happening. So there's, there's this guy, Joseph Cox, who wrote for Vice. And I want to thank station manager Ken Friedman, who I see is on the comment board. Uh, he, he originally sent me this story in February. This is from February 23, 2023. And I've been, I've been meaning to... <laughs> I've been meaning to share this with you, friends, but I haven't had a roundup until now. So the story from Vice from February is how I broke into a bank account with an AI-generated voice. So I told you voice surveillance leads to new kinds of scams, right? So there's this, his bank, uh, Joseph Cox, I guess, has an account at uh, Lloyd's Bank. And, but this is hardly unique to Lloyd's. I think a bunch of banks and a bunch of other giant megacorps are beginning to use this. And the, the key phrase is, my voice is my password. If you say it in your regular voice, then the next time you call, they'll be able to tell it's you. Surely, if you have a cold and you're nasal or something like that, they, you, know, you wonder how it would work. But beyond all of that, let's pretend it works. Let's just pretend it works. Uh, the the idea is the voice surveillance is going to log you in, save them uh, human labor charges, but it also opens up the possibility of a scam. And so what Joseph Cox did is he went to, there's a bunch of companies that if you feed them a little snippet of, of voice data, of, of recording, you know, an audio recording of someone's voice, they can make a a library of sounds from that snippet that can make that person's voice say anything. So, I mean, my goodness, I've got to, for, for me, anybody, any, any DJ at WFMU who's been on for a while, there's, there's hundreds of hours of our, well, I guess for a talk show, I have more, but even the, the music DJs, they have mic breaks that go in for a long time. There's, there's way more voice data out there from the DJs that are necessary to do this. Anybody could go, a scammer could go and, and input voice data into one of these AI engines and come out with, you know, a little, a little Mark Hurst engine that can get the Mark Hurst voice to say anything they want. And in fact, that's what Joseph Cox did with his own voice. 
So I'm just trying to explain to you how he did this to, to show proof of concept of this scam. Joseph Cox took snippets of his voice, put those snippets into one of the, it was free actually, he said, I'm not gonna tell you the name of the company because I do not wanna give them publicity, but into some company that then mashes them up and then creates this Joseph Cox voice engine basically. And then he used that to create the phrase, my voice is my password, to see if it would log him into his bank account as though a scammer had done that. Now I'm gonna play you this. This is um, just not quite a minute, a, an audio clip that Joseph Cox published in this Vice piece showing what happened when he played the snippets of the AI engine of his own voice when calling Lloyd's Bank. Here it is. Welcome to Lloyd's Bank. So we can get you to the right place. In your own words, please say the reason for your call. Check my balance. Okay. Please say your key in your date of birth. Please say, my voice is my password. My voice is my password. Thank you. Here a balance. Using your keypad, please select one of the following two accounts. One, your classic account ending... Okay, now you get the idea. So it worked. I mean, the headline is it worked. And that's why, uh, that's why the name of the story was how I broke into a bank account with an AI generated voice. It was his own bank account. And it was his own AI generated voice that he had created. But again, as a proof of concept, it shows how a scammer can take, I think it only, I mean, there was a research paper recently that said, you can get a viable model of someone's voice from, I think, if I remember right, it was three seconds of audio data. Basically, if you can get an audio recording of someone speaking for pretty, pretty clear audio, good levels and so on, three seconds of good, well-formed audio of someone speaking is enough to create a passable engine that can play pretty much anything that you want them to say from that voice. And so I don't know how much data he used for his voice, but he, he put in probably not much more than three seconds to create that AI-based engine. He, and so you, you heard him say to his AI voice, say two things, check my balance. That was an AI-based sound file that you can imagine a scammer playing over the, over the, speakers of the computer to play into the phone. And then the second was, my voice is my password. And it logged him right in. And, and when you think about it, how could this not work? I mean, <laughs> I, I, how are we surprised that this, we shouldn't be surprised that this worked. Of course, if you, if you get an AI engine that gets someone's voice to say anything you want, it's going to sound just like them. And these tools are only getting better as the AI gets more and more precise. They're, they're only getting more accurate to how a person's voice sounds, and they're getting more powerful in that they can form these full-fledged voice engines with less and less input data. So, I mean, I guess I'm at risk because I have uh, probably 200 hours plus of my voice in the WFMU archives, but 200 hours, I mean, they don't even need one hour. They don't even need 30 minutes of my data. If you have your voice, this is what I'm getting at. If you 
have have your have your voice recorded somewhere, your voice print is out there and available to be turned into an AI voice engine. And can you and to bring this full circle, can you think of some place that has your voice already recorded? It's your bank. <laughs> when they said you, this call will be recorded for customer service uh, uh, or customer quality purposes, whatever they could, for quality purposes, however they put it. What they're not telling you is we're recording this and we're keeping your voice print in our systems. Now, I'm not saying that the bank is going to hand your voice print to the scammers. I'm saying that the bank is going to store that voice print somewhere that is hackable. And it's liable to be hacked, leaked, shared, maybe sold off if, if the company gets really financially desperate because, as I said, biometric surveillance data is across the board, it is valuable. And all they need is for you to call the bank or the telecom company or the hospital or the mega giant box store once to get your voice, and that's it. If that voice print goes out somewhere, some scammer, they've got your, they've got your voice print. They can log now, they, and they probably heard you say your, your date of birth on the phone. Now they've got your date of birth and they've got your voice to say whatever they want. They can log into your bank and who knows what can happen next. But it doesn't stop there. They, you might say, well, I'm not worried because I use uh, a regional credit union. Good for you. Good idea. I don't use a mega bank um, or I use one of the few mega banks that doesn't do this yet. And so I'm, I'm feeling fine. Let me tell you, you should be, if not worried, you should be at least aware of this voice scam because it reaches well beyond mega corporations. There's this piece from June 28, just a few days ago in Insider. June 28, 2023, this is also on the playlist. The, the headline is, The Rise of AI Phone Scams. And here's how this works. And I want you to pay attention, friends, because this is on the rise. There are families that are being taken in by this every day because it's relatively new. And I want you to guard yourself and your family against this scam. Okay, what happens is, let me just read this, this snippet of the story, and then and I'll tell you what's happening. Someone had called his house phone from a foreign number. Okay, this is the guy who got scammed. Someone called his house phone from a foreign number. Uh, this is Eddie's grandfather. Okay, gets, gets the call. Eddie's grandfather picked up, and it sounded like Eddie, his grandson, on the phone. Eddie, quote-unquote, said he had been in a car accident and needed money immediately. Fortunately for Eddie's family, his father, I guess the father took the call. His father was immediately suspicious of the call. Turns out, of course, it hadn't been Eddie on the phone. In truth, his family had been the target of a terrifying new scam. The fraudsters had used an artificial rendering of Eddie's voice to try and bilk his loved ones out of cash. I think you see where this is going. So what happens is you get a phone call one day from some unknown number. And it's your friend, it's your brother, it's your nephew, or it's your adult child or someone out there who is, who's a loved one very close to you. And they say, listen, and they say, your, maybe they say your name, maybe not. They say, listen, this is, let's just use Eddie since that was the one in the example. This is Eddie. I know I'm not calling from my normal phone number, but that's because it, it, got, um, it got destroyed in, in this car accident. I've just been in this horrible car accident and I'm... I'm stuck in this weird location and I just need you to wire me some money. 
because I need some, I need to get some, uh, some hospital care and it's an emergency. And I know I'm, I'm a little out of it, but I was just in a car accident. Can you please help me? What do you do? What do you do? Do you do, I mean, on hearing your friend's voice and you know, that's, that's really something to hear a loved one's voice that goes deep, you know, and you want to act. What are you going to say when you hear your loved one's voice? You're going to, you're going to say, I think you're a robot. No, you're not going to say that. You're going to, you're going to want to help. But in this big tech dominated economy that we're in right now, we have to be on guard of the scams that these companies have enabled and in a way are profiting from by, by pushing all of their horrible platforms down the throats of all the companies that then get hacked by the fraudsters. So the fraudsters are just in a food chain on top of which are these, these four or five big tech companies. So uh, here's what you do. And the insider piece says this, and I, I totally agree. You basically, to protect yourself from, from this AI voice fraud, you have two basic options. One of them, I don't like this one very much, but it, it, it can work. You have to establish a code word ahead of time with <laughs> all of your friends, all of your kids, neighbors, nephews, nieces, everybody, tell them, hey, listen, if you're ever in a car accident and you want to get my attention, you got to say peanut butter, okay? If you don't say peanut butter, I'm going to think you're a robot. So that's my code word. Don't spread it around, all right? But it's peanut butter. So you got to say, hey, Uncle Mark, peanut butter, uh, I need some money. Then I, then I know it's them, I guess. I don't really like that, though, because then that's like you get into password management that has not gone well over the years and all you need is for your smartphone to be listening in to that conversation. And uh, it, yeah. so I'm not gonna get on down that road. But that is one possibility, is to have a code word that distinguishes a real call from what could be a fake robot AI scammer call. The other possible protection is very simple. And this is the one that I like the most. And this is also, if you ever get a weird call, from your bank or from the IRS or from various stores, all of which uh, are topics of or subjects of scams, AI voice scams, uh, the scammers will call you from, quote, the IRS or they'll call you from, quote, your bank and say, we need your, you know, your social security or we need you to uh, let us log into your account because something horrible has happened to your account. Whether it's the IRS, your bank, or your, your nephew, Eddie, here's what you do. They call, they say, hey, Uncle Mark, I need your help. Or, hey, Mr. Hurst, this is the IRS. What you say is, give me your number. I'm going to call you back. And the number has to match what I find in your contact record. Basically, I'm going to call you back at the number that I can tell is a legitimate number. And if you pick up at that number, then I know it's you because then I'm calling you and I know that I'm not a robot. So um, that's, and I've, I've heard from friends who got taken in by scams before. Hey, it's your bank. We just need this, this quick identity check. Can you just log into your account? Give us your login credentials. Oh gosh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm happy to. And then that sounds a little weird. And they hang up and then they call the bank and they say, hey, did you just call me about it? And they go, what are you talking about? Uh-oh. So that's your two protections, either a code word or just call them back at what you know is a legitimate number, and that'll get you off the hook there. I hope this helps. See, you learn things at Tectonics, not just nightmares. Um, 
what else can I say about surveillance? I know we only got about uh, 10, 10, 15 minutes left, 12 minutes left maybe. So let me try to get through these. The voice scams thing is an example of ambient surveillance, which we need freedom from. And I just want to broaden this because it's not just voice surveillance. It's not just palm reading biometric surveillance. It's not just facial recognition surveillance in grocery stores. All of these are unwarranted and should be banned. But it's not just those. There's surveillance growing everywhere. And just every week I see another example and you go, man, Big tech really wants to push their surveillance on everyone. And a good example of this is a scholarly paper. This came out a few months ago in January 2023 in a journal called Entertainment Computing. I've never heard of entertainment computing, but I guess there are scholars who do research and publish scholarly papers uh, about entertainment computing, in this case about video games. And the title of the paper is Surveilling the Gamers colon, privacy impacts of the video game industry. Oh, man. What do you mean? I thought video games were the one place in computing where we could just relax and have fun. Nope. Nope. And I just, I don't just mean those dark pattern riddled uh, big, big game company games that everyone says they don't like but keep selling well. No, these are just regular video games that have, again, opaque surveillance that they're not being upfront about with the gamers. And these scholars have gone into a bunch, they, they did a deep dive on video game surveillance and they concluded, quote, modern game devices pose a serious threat to consumer privacy. And they conclude that the surveillance, so these game devices, these consoles, these, these smartphones, the games, the software and the games themselves, they're always drawing down data on the player at all times. Okay, so again, any kind of surveillance data is helpful and profitable to these companies. And so this is what they can get by surveilling video game players. Quote, inferences about a user's biometric identity, age, gender, emotions, skills, interests, consumption habits, and personality traits. Based on these findings, the authors say, we argue that video games need to be brought into the focus of privacy research and discourse, unquote. And that's not a privacy-related journal. This is an entertainment and computing journal, and the researchers are saying, hey, alarm, we've got a surveillance problem in video games, and a, a, a video game company of, that has made the software or the hardware that these gamers are on for hours at a time, they're drawing down enough surveillance data that they can infer a lot of very intimate details about people's lives, package those up, and sell them off to any bad actor, a Google, a Facebook, or whoever they want. That's a bad scene, friends. So even in video games, surveillance is creeping forward. Did you see, by the way, a couple of people said, did, 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 um, recommended Joan is Awful, which is Black Mirror just came out with a new season, and this is episode one of the new season. It's on Netflix. I am not suggesting that you go and pay Netflix a dollar, but if there's some way that you can legally watch just the first episode 
of Black Mirror, the season. It's called Joan is Awful. I would recommend it. I think it's about an hour or so. And uh, the premise is, and this may be a mild spoiler, but not really, uh, what would happen if companies took all of the data that they're getting from you as you carry around the surveillance device that you have in your pocket or your hand or in your bag right now? Uh, oh, you call it a smartphone. Yeah, but the, I call it a surveillance device. A handheld surveillance device is drawing down data on you at all times. What exactly? Uh, we don't completely know, but we know it's a lot. There's some, a, a lot of data we know they're drawing down on you and some that we don't know yet what they're drawing down on you. But what if these companies pooled all of the data that they got from your handheld surveillance device as well as your Alexa surveillance device, the Amazon Ring surveillance device, and all of the other surveillance devices that you have bought from big tech companies in the last five years and put them all together, they could come up with a pretty interesting uh, biopic of your life showing your foibles, your flaws, your weaknesses, your mistakes, the, the moment that you lost your temper or were rude to somebody and they could hire actors and recreate it and put it on Netflix kind of interesting. It's true. They have a Netflix clone being satirized in this episode. It's called Streamberry, but it's clearly Netflix. And, uh, and, and then have the whole world watching the problems in your life based on the data that they drew down from your various surveillance devices. I mean, like a lot of uh, uh, Black Mirror episodes, you got to wonder not uh, if this is ever going to happen, but how many years do we have left before this starts happening. It's kind of like that, that episode Metalhead. How many years ago was Metalhead? That was the one with the robot dogs. Remember that? If you haven't seen that one, that's another one to see. Uh, Metalhead shows these people running through the English countryside being pursued by these murderous robot dogs in this dystopia, this future dystopia, whatever. And people said, oh, that's just Black Mirror being dystopian. Yeah, that was until the NYPD bought robot dogs. And, um, well, they said, don't worry, the robot dog, okay, we have robot dogs, sure. And they look just like the robot dogs in that Black Mirror episode, sure. But we promise these are never, never going to have weapons attached to them. And then just last week, I saw a robot dog, not, not from the NYPD, but out there somewhere being outfitted, having been outfitted with an actual flamethrower. Robot dog walking around and shooting flames 10 meters in front of it. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Okay. Good to know. Good to know that the robot dogs will never have uh, lethal weaponry attached to them. That makes me sleep better at night. So anyway, looking back at this, Joan is awful. Not if, but when. How many years before we have all of the ambient surveillance data on us turned into some kind of package, into some kind of perverse entertainment product for other people's delectation? That's kind of what you got already in little snippets on TikTok and Instagram where people show little little slices of life out there as they're carrying their surveillance devices around. Um, I'm afraid that Black Mirror may be onto something and we're on the cusp of much, much, much more to that. Microsoft has announced this, or last month I should say, uh, as reported in The Verge on June 27, that the new version of Windows, the operating system that nobody likes, Microsoft is planning on putting that completely in the cloud. How can you put an operating system, that's the software that runs the computer or runs the surveillance device itself. How can that be sitting in a cloud somewhere? Well, 
I'm sure there's going to be some firmware or software on the device itself, but the cloud is going to be the centralized place where Microsoft is going to be able to centralize all the surveillance data that it's getting from all of your devices that are running Windows, your PC, or, or any kind of Microsoft-inflected uh, software. So whether it's your PC, your home system, your home surveillance device, uh, your, your work computer, the Windows is going to be in the cloud, and it's going to be harvesting and gathering all of its surveillance data. You see how this fits into Jonah's awful? Microsoft, one of the most rich and powerful companies in history, has publicly announced that it plans to move in that direction where they're building a system that's ambient, that follows you everywhere. You cannot turn off the computer and walk away from it. No, Microsoft Windows is going to be in the cloud watching you everywhere you go. Get ready. Surveillance is coming for you everywhere. And then finally, the last thing I want to point out is the profits that roll off of the surveillance economy. Because right now, our economy, our market, and here I'm, I'm talking about the U.S., but in, in a sense, the, the, the U.S. stock market is influential around the world. <clears throat> the U.S. economy, and to some extent, by extension, the global economy, is built on surveillance. I don't know if you understand the, 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 the incredible reach of this, of this toxic, intrusive, unwarranted business model that these four or five companies have adopted is reaching everywhere and it is it's basically, it has taken over the economy. Here's what I mean. Apple, by the way, one of the companies that is making the devices that I call surveillance devices, uh, Apple just uh, a day or two ago reached three trillion dollar reached three trillion dollars in its market capitalization. It's a three trillion dollar company. Microsoft, I believe, is a two and a half trillion dollar company. Amazon and Google are not far behind. Facebook has dipped uh, a bit, but it's but it's up there. So you have a three. To, I mean, it's just inconceivable to me. A three trillion dollar company the wealthiest company by far in human history is the one making the preferred surveillance devices for people all over the world. And this is from Wall Street on Parade, uh, a, great, a great site, their uh, entry today, July 3rd, 2023. Headlines are sprouting up at various news outlets touting that the S&P 500 is in a new bull market. But in fact, almost all of the gains in the S&P Year-to-date have come from just seven stocks. Apple, surveillance. Alphabet, surveillance. Amazon, surveillance. Meta, Facebook, surveillance. NVIDIA, hardware surveillance. Microsoft, very much surveillance. Tesla, surveillance with wheels. That's our global economy now, friends. Surveillance is everywhere, and it now runs the world. I don't know what else to tell you except my homework, I mean, it's what I tell you every week, and I'll tell it to you now because I'm totally serious. Avoid Apple, abandon Amazon, forget Facebook, and whatever you do, get off Google. You've been listening to the greatest radio station in the world, WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope in New York City and Rockland County at 91.9 FM and online at WFMU.org. Uh, listen, friends, I'm going to be out for the next two weeks. The next two shows, I'm gone. I'm going on a trip, and I'm looking forward to seeing you. I hope. I very much plan to be here in three weeks on uh, July 24. But 
Next week, July 10, Colby Smith is going to be filling in. And then on July 17, station manager Ken Friedman is going to guest host. It's going to be another great episode. He always does great. Thank you, Ken, on Tectonic. Uh, and then I plan to be back on July 24. Have a great Independence Day tomorrow, July 4th, Americans. And for everybody here in the U.S. and everywhere else, remember, we need freedom from surveillance. Our outro this evening I learned about from Evan Funk Davies on his great show last Wednesday from 12 to 3 Eastern. It's called Replaced by a Microchip. Thanks, Evan, for the pointer. And everybody, I want you to stay tuned for the great Dave Mandel, who's going to come up uh, next. And he's got a show called It's Complicated. It's a prog rock show. But in the meantime, I want you to enjoy this song about being replaced by a microchip. What can I say? It's probably engaged in surveillance. Anyway, have a good three weeks, everybody.
And that's the way we started. Good evening, folks. 7 p.m. here on a Monday evening. That means it's time for It's Complicated, an hour of Prague and Prague-adjacent music. Thank you for tuning in. Great to see you all. I can see you. And uh, lots of great music to play for you in the next 60 minutes. We're going to begin, we're going to dive right in with some music from Germany. A band called Zyma, or Zima, Z-Y-M-A, 70s group. This was, uh, this band, like, like many proggy groups of the time, this group started out more of a, what you'd call a hard rock band, and drifted, as so many of them did, into prog, prog-ish music. They were, uh, became, I guess, sort of Canterbury-ish, the so-called Canterbury scene or Canterbury branch of the prog tree. Anyway, you'll hear for yourselves. This is from an album called Thoughts. Again, the group is Zima, Z-Y-M-A, 1978 release called Thoughts, and this is going to be a piece called One Way Street. It's a quarter to twelve The TV show is over And for the last time The speaker's telling me is bad news <clears throat> Bomb explosion Bomb at explosion the station hall the Two station persons hall. killed, one Two man fatally wounded one Fourteen injured wounded. Fourteen injured the Minister of Foreign Affairs denies having interfered. Oh, leave me alone. I've got enough to think about. Anyway. Thank <laughs> you. 